Welcome to Satellite Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Bethay. So as I've uh, tried to launch this podcast, I'm kind of trying to get a feel for what it's going to be and what the format needs to be and what I need to talk about. One of the ideas that I had when I started this podcast was that I had years of old writings, lessons, blogs that I thought might be worth pulling from to give some good material for this podcast. And so I was going through old files on my computer and came across a story that I wrote in 2008 about a really unique experience that I had. And as I was reading back through it, I didn't even remember some of the details from the story. And it was a pretty significant thing that happened. And I'll go into the story in a second. But one of the things that it reminded me of is the importance of remembrance. The importance of remembering what God has done and how good he has been. One of the things he commanded the nation of Israel to do was to set up a lot of times physical reminders of what God had done. So in the times when God seemed distant or when they didn't feel God's presence, they could remember through writing, through physical altars, things that God had done and be reminded of who he was and of his goodness. So probably about 2008 or so, I started journaling really consistently on my computer. I had started journaling by hand in college, but um, I found that typing on a computer, which I know sounds really impersonal, but I found that worked better for me. So I started journaling, and I'm really glad that I recorded an experience like this because I'm going back and reading, and I'm like, this story is nuts. So I'm going to go back and recount to you this story that happened to me in 2008. I'm probably, what, 24, 25 years old, second, third year teaching. So here goes. So I'm leaving the middle school where I taught PE to head over to the high school where I coach football practice. They're about seven miles apart. And as I'm driving a few minutes into the drive, I hear loud squeaks and funny noises. So I pull over my car, Maximus the Mustang, a red 2001 Mustang, candy apple red, amazing car, love that car. Pull Maximus over into the turn lane to a neighborhood that's about three miles from my school. So I check under the hood and even though I'm not an expert on cars, you could see the timing belt was loose and I kind of figured that it probably wouldn't be smart to drive anywhere else at the moment. And this is where I should probably also mention that I had left my cell phone at the counter at my apartment in Athens, and I'm in Decula, so about 30 miles apart. Me leaving my phone at home is a fairly common occurrence, if you know me. It, I don't do it all the time, but I probably leave my phone at home at least once a month. My wife, if she listens to this, is going to laugh. Um, but after about 20 minutes of standing on the side of the road at the entrance to this neighborhood and tinkering under the hood and getting nowhere because, as I said, don't know a ton about cars, I asked God for help. I stopped and prayed, you know, Lord, I can't fix this. I need help. And within probably about three minutes, a real-life Good Samaritan named Chad Trudell, he comes to my rescue. So this guy pulls up behind me, steps out of his truck with a pack of cigarettes, a fairly round midsection, a really cool bicep tattoo, bald head, and just really friendly, kind, and warm voice. And guy didn't look like he was any more than about a couple years older than me. And turns out he was a custodian at the local elementary school. And what happened next was really far above and beyond anything that I could have hoped for. So Chad spends about 20 minutes tinkering the engine himself, and we both kind of realize, yeah, this can't be fixed out here. So he proceeds to strap Maximus to the frame of his pre-runner, and tow, and I'm using this in air quotes, tow him into the nearby neighborhood. So Maximus is safe out of the way. And then he drives me up to the nearby Exxon station and gets a phone book from the cashier so I could call a tow truck service so I could work out a ride. Because at this point, I didn't have a smartphone yet, 
Smartphones weren't like they are now where everybody has one. And so my cell phone wasn't a smartphone. And so they still actually had pay phones at this time. And so we got the phone book so I could call a tow truck service. So we do that. Then he takes me back to Maximus and we spend the next hour trying to haul Maximus up the street to a church so it'd be easier for a tow truck to reach. And I said an hour because after Chad's strap breaks for the third time and another rope that he pulls out snaps an half, I had to talk him in to giving up. Yeah, I, I had to say, hey, man, I'm going to be okay. Thank you. He then apologized for not being able to do more. Just let that sink in for a second. So he takes me back to the Exxon station to wait for my ride. And I told him thank you. And I had to talk him into taking some money to repay him for his help. Now, at this point, I'm still stuck in Decula waiting for a tow truck to come. And I still don't have a way of getting home once my car is picked up and towed. So like most single 24, 25-year-olds, I have roommates. I call my first roommate, he's in Marietta, and I had to talk him out of driving 50 miles to where I am to pick me up, and then another 30 to take me home. I had to talk him out of doing that. Call my other two roommates. One wasn't available. The other one was actually close. He was on his way back to Athens, and he was actually close enough to come pick me up. So he comes and picks me up, and we spend three hours waiting for the tow truck to come. I think it gets there sometime around 8 o'clock at night, and you know, I left my school at like 4.15. When we finally get home, and if I remember this right, Mike Cooper, I hope you're listening to this, I drove my roommate's truck home because he was towing his motorcycle, and he wanted to ride his motorcycle home. So if I remember correctly, I drove his Tacoma home to our apartment, and he rode home in his motorcycle. But anyway, um, we finally get home. It's probably 8.30, 9 o'clock at night, and I... My third roommate had left me a note saying that he had heard about the craziness on the day and was praying for me. So, I mean, like, what do you say to that? You're blessed. The Lord's provision for me is so clear. My roommates were amazing. God has surrounded me with people that love me and people that I don't even know that he sends to be guardian angels to me and take care of me. I just am so thankful that that was true in my life then. And it's still true in my life now. But the story doesn't end there. So I wanted to pass on the good news of the blessings I received. So I wrote a letter to the principal of the elementary school to tell her what Chad had done for me. So after reading the story, I closed the letter with this. Principal Stranahan, Mr. Trudell's actions are the kindest any stranger has ever shown to me. I thanked him immensely for his help yesterday, but I wanted to let you know also, if your school is full of people with this kind of character, you must be the most blessed principal in the entire country. Here's what she replied with. I have to admit I'm here with tears rolling down my face. Although I'm reminded every day of my blessings at Mulberry, I am taken aback by your email and by this kindness. I have known Chad for just a few months and see each day how kind and giving he is, but this is truly amazing. Thank you so much for sharing with me. This is a living example of paying it forward. You have done the same by sending me this note. Best wishes for a wonderful year. Funny side note to the story. About three years ago, Chad came and worked at my middle school. <laughs> Pretty cool. So that's a cool story with a happy ending, right? Well, no, that's actually only the beginning. So with no car, because I'd taken my car to Sears to get fixed, because the Sears in Athens was still open then, and <laughs> they fixed cars, I had to get a ride to work. So my best buddy at school at that time, Carrie Beth Tidmore, now Carrie Beth Jones, 
was kind enough to give me a ride to work. Uh, we sometimes carpool together back then. And after work, she was even willing to drop me off at Sears to pick up the freshly mended Maximus. So as we pull in, we passed a guy sitting at the edge of the Burger King parking lot with a sign that said, traveling home, broke, hungry, need help. Now, if you've lived in Athens, especially in the mall area, in the loop area near the mall, I cannot tell you how many times you will see people like this. And I am, as someone who never carries cash, I've thought so many times, man, I would hope if I had some cash. As a quick aside, I've actually decided to start carrying a group of $5 bills in my car so that when I see one of these people, if I am able to, I will give them money. I've actually, that's actually something I made a commitment to start doing so that I can, if I feel led, give money to those people and not have this as an excuse. But back to the story, it just so happens that the previous night, I had taken out $200 to pay a tow truck driver, but my insurance company ended up covering most of it and I still had about $60 of cash left. I'm telling you this, you understand just how unusual it is for me to have any cash, much less a chunk of change like that. I couldn't help but think, man, it's like this money is meant to help this guy. So I process all this and I get Maximus, pay for him, and then drive right over to talk to this kid. And he looks like he's maybe 19 or 20. His name is Ryan and he needed about $50. Yeah, I know. It's ironic, right? To get a bus ticket back to North Carolina to visit his mother who was apparently sick. So it's 4.30 in the afternoon and... When I talked to him, he said he hadn't eaten anything since the day before. I'm not the world's most empathetic person. I really don't know if I was born with those genes, but even for me, my heart broke for him. And so I was just wondering when I saw Ryan, man, is this how I looked on the side of the road just 24 hours ago? How long would I have been there if Chad hadn't helped me? And how many other believers have driven back, have driven by Ryan without helping him? So we walk inside Burger King and I gave him money for food and to pay for a big chunk of his bus ticket. And I also gave him my name and phone number and told him to call me when he had enough for a ticket so I could personally drive him into the bus station. And I'm not sure what all that means or if I did what I was supposed to do. Like, did I do enough in repaying Chad for his kindness? Did I do enough in trying to pay it forward to help Ryan? Should I have emptied out my wallet and driven into the bus station right then and there? And I, I still don't know if I did everything right, but I think one of the important things is listening to what God was trying to tell me. And I think one of the things that I took away from that experience 14 years ago is that, first of all, we take a lot of everyday things for granted. Every time your car starts or you drive and arrive at a destination safely, you need to be thankful for God allowing it to happen. It's something we just aren't thankful of. For. And I get it. It's kind of the expectation. You expect your car to start. You expect to get the place safely. But I just want to let this be a reminder that we need to thank God when the everyday things are mundane, everyday things. <laughs> you know. Second, God reminded me of the parable of the unmerciful servant found in Matthew 18, verses 22 through 35. That's the parable where a servant has a large debt forgiven and then turns around and has another man thrown in jail over a small debt. As most of you know from this story, the master finds out and throws the servant in jail for his lack of mercy. I don't want to be that servant. And I spent a lot of that next few days praising the kindness of Mr. Trudell, Chad, and thanking God for snatching me out of a potentially hopeless situation. Because if that guy doesn't stop by, I don't know what I'm doing or how long I'm there. But if I was truly thankful... 
How could I then turn around and ignore an immediate chance to help someone in need when I had the means to do so? What kind of condemnation would I bring on myself if I acted in that way? And so God has given us money, cars, houses, popularity, influence, and everything imaginable to be able to pour into others. And we should do so liberally. God loves us. God protects us. God provides for us. And he wants us to use what we have with open hands to bless others, even an elementary school custodian or a guy that's on the side of the road trying to get home to his mom. And he uses us as instruments to show his love and mercy to other people and to accomplish his will. And as we get older and get families, I feel like it's easy to hold on tighter and tighter to those things and justify it by saying, I need to provide for my family. I need to do things for my family. And I think that's true. What I'm asking you to do is to open your eyes and say, where are places where God may be asking me to reach outside of my comfort zone so that I can be his hands and feet towards blessing others? And when God does use you in a mighty way or uses someone in a mighty way to bless you, let's not forget. Amen. This has been Dave Bethay for Satellite Podcast. That's it for today. Thank you for listening.